Threema is making a degoogled experience even better. Fake subpoenas, USPIS spying updates, Google is making some anti-privacy moves, some critical Apple software updates, and more. There were a lot of stories, but it was still overall a slow week. Welcome to Surveillance Support 82 on the brand new channel for all of you video listeners. Welcome. This is the show where we're dedicated to keeping you private and secure with the latest weekly news. I am Henry from TechLorm. I am Nathan from The New Oil. And now that we have a new channel, we can have dedicated support methods for just surveillance report. So we're gonna start with two simple ones. First, we are accepting Monero donations, so be sure to check out Monero in the description if you wanna support us privately with crypto, that is much appreciated. And also, we are opening a surveillance report Patreon page, so make sure to check it out. We're starting our perks. We have three awesome perks for all listeners right now. So first, we're gonna have a private RSS feed for audio listeners and private video feeds without these segments. So you just get the real stories and that's it. None of these segments, no sponsor segments. If we ever decide to do sponsors, you're gonna get that nice clean experience. We have show notes every week, our own private show notes that we read off of to help us get through the stories. And some people have asked for some kind of like written TLDR version of the weekly news. And we will be posting those for our patrons as well. And we'll also be doing a weekly question. It could be about anything. And we will be including those questions and our answers to them at the end of every surveillance report. And so we'll be going to our patrons and asking them questions. We'll pick one and then we'll answer it in next week's surveillance report. So if you want to be one of the people who asks us any questions that we might feature next week, go ahead and join Patreon and we'll do a survey for that soon. All of this is $10 a month. With inflation, that's like less than two coffees probably. So like, come on, check it out, support us. Lots of fun stuff there. And we're really trying to give some perks back as well for your uh, continual support. So thank you very much and hope to see more people on that Patreon page. So our highlight story, Threema. Threema Push, instant notifications without Google services. Threema has developed their own push service to enable Threema notifications to work on de-Googled phones, or also if you just don't want to use Google push notifications on your regular device. So on Android, you have FCM and GCM, which essentially is Google's push notification service. And that's what most applications rely on for notifications. And this does go through Google and it's not end-to-end -end encrypted. So Google can actually read the contents of the notification with the exception of some specific privacy tools that actually have workarounds like Signal and ProtonMail, I know for a fact have found workarounds to not expose user data. But pretty much that's kind of the default way that people send notifications. So if you're on a de-Googled phone, it's really hard to have that happen, which made Threema not very nice to use on de-Google devices. But no longer, they actually have their own push notification service that runs in the background all the time, kind of like how Signal and Telegram also have this as a fallback method if they can't find Google Play notifications and stuff like that. So this is really nice and really excited for Threema and for Threema users. That's really great if you're on a de-Googled phone. Anything to add there? I think it's really cool to see companies pushing for de-Google services like this. Like I know Tutanota made their own captcha so that they wouldn't have to use Google's captcha. And I think they also don't use push Google push notifications, possibly. I could be wrong about that part, but yeah, I, I think every service that does this is it's a win for everybody for sure. Totally agreed. And I do think that Tutanota, if you have GCM, FCM, it does use it, but like ProtonMail and Signal, they actually don't allow Google to read the contents of the notification either. I think Threema said in the blog post that they didn't do that either. But yeah, this is just like a, a better, more polished way to do that. Either way, Very it's, exciting. it's a great step forward. Yeah. 
With that, we will move into our data breaches. And we're gonna start off with Western Australia, where gun owners are demanding an apology for a police map showing their locations. So police in Western Australia published a heat map of gun owners to highlight how many people own guns as part of their PR campaign for gun ownership reform. That's basically what this comes down to. Gun owners are understandably very upset about this. For example, one of them pointed out that if there's a, a map that shows I own a gun, somebody might break in and steal my gun and use it in a crime. Police claim that that's very unlikely to happen because the map was anonymized basically. Like it's not actually pinned to your real house. It's more just like this general area has like 15 gun owners or whatever. So they claim that it's safe. I think regardless of your views on gun control, I think it's safe to say that's a little bit underhanded. That's kind of where we're at is, you know, police said it wasn't a big deal, but gun owners are like, no, it's a really big deal. You should apologize. And we'll see if the police do apologize or not. Up next, a network cavity was blamed for a data breach at a Japanese candy maker called Morinaga. So this affected 1.6 million customers and it exposed their names, addresses, phone numbers, date of births, and their purchase histories. This was due to a network vulnerability and it affected these customers between May 2018 and March 2022. So that's a pretty long time period where this was affecting customers. Our next story comes from Shutterfly, who disclosed a data breach after a Conti ransomware attack. As the title says, Conti attacked them, and unfortunately in the process, this caused a leak of employee data, which is not terribly surprising because that's kind of how ransomware works these days, is they will steal the data first, then encrypt, and that way if you decide you're not going to pay up, they'll be like, well, we got all your data and you got to pay. So this includes financial, legal, customer service, and payroll data. So they didn't really go into detail, but that probably includes, you know, names, dates of birth, maybe even social security numbers, payment information, that kind of stuff. The attack took place on December 3rd of 2021, and we are just now finding out about it, of course. Up next, Globant has confirmed a hack after Lapsus leaked 70 gigabytes of stolen data. Globant is an IT and software development firm with over 16,000 employees worldwide and $1.2 billion in revenue for 2021 alone. They were founded in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Globant is currently headquartered in Luxembourg and boasts a well-known list of customers, including Metropolitan Police, Smile Direct Club, Autodesk, Electronic Arts, Santander, Interbank, Royal Caribbean, and many more. It appears that only the source code was leaked. Our next data breach comes from Palo Alto Networks, which is surprising because I think they actually also do a lot of security research, if I remember correctly. And they had a error that exposed customer support cases and attachments. Fortunately, this has been patched. They were alerted by a customer, I'm assuming, who chose to remain anonymous. The customer said they were able to access 1,989 support cases that did not belong to them. This included firewall logs, configuration dumps, serial and model numbers, names, phone numbers, email addresses, and much more. So yeah, that's very valuable data, mostly for like targeted attackers, but I'm sure even for just general spray stuff, I'm sure that would still be pretty bad. So thankfully that has been patched. Seems like people in the world only care about health data, yet when we cover health care data breaches, people still don't seem to care much. So the US healthcare data breach has impacted 85,000 law enforcement officers. We also seem to care about law enforcement privacy, so it's a double whammy. This affected law enforcement health benefits in Philadelphia starting in September 14th, 2021, and it affected 85,000 members, including date of birth, social security numbers, driver's license numbers, financial account numbers, health insurance information, and medical information. So if I were a police officer, I would not be very thrilled about this data breach. And with that, we will move into companies. We're gonna start off with Google, who might be adding Bluetooth tracking detection directly into Android. Ever since Apple released their AirTag, which for those who 
really are out of the loop. It's just tiny little, it's like the size of a quarter. It's a Bluetooth tracker. The idea is like you stick it on your keys or you stick it in your backpack and it's supposed to help you stop losing things. But of course, human beings, we immediately abused that and started using it to track people and stalk people and things like that. So Apple came out with, on iPhone, there's the ability automatically to like detect trackers. There are Android apps that do it, but Android does not natively do it the same way that Apple does. Well, 9to5Google reverse engineered the latest Google APK in the Play Store, and it looks like Google might be integrating a Bluetooth tracker into upcoming releases. There's uh, certain fields that seem to really heavily imply that. It's unclear if they will actually roll it out, but I mean, I can't see any reason that they wouldn't, and this would be great optics for them, and of course it would be a good privacy win for people who don't want to be tracked but don't have an iPhone. So yeah, if that actually rolls out, we'll let you guys know, but it looks really promising. Up next, Chrome's air quotes for those who aren't watching this as video. Topics advertising system is here, whether you want it or not. They, Chrome calls this Topics, and I think it's a terrible name, and they do it very intentionally, and we'll cover why. So this is rolling out in a limited beta, and it's opt-in for devs. This is currently only available in Chrome Canary, which is like kind of Chrome Alpha. It's a better way of looking at it. The article asserts no one uses as a daily driver. First, Chrome Topics is Flock. This is just like a rebrand of Flock. And they're calling Chrome Topics to kind of not let people know what this really is, which is them centralizing users' data and taking control of all of this for themselves. And they even call this a privacy sandbox. So they use all these misleading terms to make people think that it's some privacy-friendly thing that's somehow making them more private than what they'd otherwise be doing, which it, it isn't. This is just very misleading on pretty much every way that you look at it. So when this does roll out, you can disable it by using the privacy sandbox flag inside of Chrome flags. You can disable the privacy sandbox flag, or you can just not use Chrome because no other Chromium based browsers are gonna have this. That's our main recommendation. Use ungoogled Chromium. You can even use Chromium. Um, you can also use Brave. None of them will have this. And up next, oh boy, Apple has had, I think two now, zero days in the last week. Do you know? You're right. They had two vulnerabilities. This article just covers both, I think. Okay. So yeah, they had two zero days this week. So make sure you're updating your iPhones and Macs. And to all of you people who think that updating devices is stupid, well, you go ahead and try that out and see how it goes for you. Our next article, there's a little bit to unpack here. The headline says workers are trading staggering amounts of data for payday loans. So if you ever passed one of those payday loan stores, should I say hope they burn down? Is that controversial? What? I don't even know what you're talking about. You've never seen a payday loan place? No. Oh my God. They're mostly in poorer areas because they're extremely predatory. So it's a place where you can go, you can walk in and be like, I really, really need money, but I don't get paid for like a week. And they'll give you an advance on your loan. The problem is they offer these obnoxiously high interest rates. Like in some cases, they're even in the triple digits. So it basically leaves you in this like never ending loop where you're constantly in debt because you have to pay them back, but all your money is already spoken for because you just took an advance on your paycheck. And it's just, yeah, they're horribly, like, I don't even know how they're legal. They're, they're awful. To be fair, I'm sure there's somebody out there who's like, I've taken a payday loan and it like, you know, saved me from getting foreclosed on or something. And like, okay, fine. I'm sure they've worked once or twice, but overall it's an extremely predatory industry. And I don't know how they are legally allowed to exist. Okay. So this, anyway, so 
Getting back to the article, this article covers the story of a man who went and got a payday advance at 0% interest, which should ring some bells based on what I just said. It turns out the reason why is that the company he was using goes through a third party company, of course, who collects, quote, up to 140 points of data, including shifts worked, time off, earnings, promotions, promotion history, excuse me, healthcare and retirement contributions, and even reputational markers like on-time rate, a gig worker's star rating, and deactivation history. So companies like this, who by the way, Plaid is one of these companies, they specifically name them in this article, work with payroll processors like Paychex, who is extremely common. I'm gonna quote the article. The data that workers provide can be used to underwrite financial products like loans, mortgages, insurance policies, and buy now, pay later apps, simplify direct deposit switching or verify income and employment for apartment and job applications. So even if you don't use payday loan companies, these third-party companies that they work with are still collecting immense amounts of data on you. Interestingly, one of these companies during an interview, the founder said that payroll data carries not only financial insights, but quote, a holistic view of a worker's identity, including typical hours, work trajectory, reputation, and more, unquote. So, I mean, probably not surprising to listeners of this show, but yeah, this isn't just, you know, how much do you get paid and how often? This is really invasive data that they're using to paint a picture of you as a person based on simply your work habits. I guess that's fair. Your work habits probably reflect you as a person, but still, they're collecting this data. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I mean, but and I, for the record, I'm not saying that makes it okay. They're collecting this data, especially from people who really don't have a choice. This kind of goes back to, I think we've mentioned before, the idea of meaningful consent. Is this really consent? One guy in the article even says that he doesn't really have a choice. He needs that money and he has to give over the data. He doesn't have any other choice. So it's, it's extremely predatory the entire way through. And our final company news for the week, a company called Finn Fisher has shut down operations and filed for insolvency. So they sold spyware to law enforcement and intelligence agencies around the world that could be used to hack into computers and mobile phones and then steal data and secretly record conversations. The company has provided its tech to authoritarian governments who use it to target activists and journalists including places like Uganda and Turkey. So I think really the main takeaway is that there are probably dozens, if not hundreds of companies like Finn Fisher. And the general pattern with these companies is they develop this very invasive software. They make some money, they sell it to whatever governments want it, and then they kind of just disappear. And actually a lot of times we've seen the people who find these companies, like the founders, they'll dissolve these companies and just start a new one. Seems like a pretty good gig if TechLearn doesn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> so if this doesn't work out, you're going to go into spyware and I'm going to go into ransomware. <laughs> That's what yes. we've agreed on. Yeah, because last, right, cool. last week you were like, oh, that 17-year-old yep. has 3,000 Bitcoin. So that's what yep. you're hopping on. Or 300, on. I think it was. Oh, 300. Okay, so yeah. I'm I'm going to hop on the whole spyware operation once TechLord you know, shuts down. Word. Okay, cool. <laughs> we got plans. We got backup plans. All right, with that, we're going to move into research. And we've only got one story this week. So this is a two-in-one because the whole thing happened in one week. The first title says RCE, which is remote control execution, RCE bug in spring could be the next log for shell, researchers warn. 
I hate to say this about threat posts because I actually really like threat posts and I think they're a great source of news. But truthfully, like the minute I read that headline, it just screamed, of, oh, the news cycle has moved on from log for shell. So we need to drum up something sensational to get the clicks back. Maybe that was just me being cynical. So this affected a vulnerability in the spring cloud function, which the article describes as an open source microservices framework, a collection of ready to use components, which are useful in building distributed applications in an enterprise. And this required no user interaction to execute. Fortunately, whether I'm right, and this was a sensational headline or whether I'm wrong, doesn't really matter because Spring responded very quickly and patched this. So fortunately, this is not something we need to lose sleep over as long as companies patch their stuff. And companies are really good at patching everything, right? They do that all the time. <laughs> Always. Always. Especially the ones who are on the surveillance report every week. Those ones specifically are just great. <laughs> we need to, we need to, uh, what are we going to call those guys? Returning frequent, frequent flyers. Retur we should call customers. them our, our dedicated, our committed con. I, I don't know. We'll, uh, we'll come up with a nickname for the people that keep popping up on this show. <laughs> the regulars. There you go. That's one. We're gonna move over into politics. The US national emergency has been extended due to elevated malicious cyber activity. I didn't know about this, but there was actually a national emergency that was originally declared on April 1st, funny enough, 2015 by Obama. <laughs> he was not joking. So there's a pro and con to this. On one hand, really the big difference is that when something is declared a national emergency, it does give them more rights and more things that they can do with less oversight. So that's kind of the downside of having this. But we also, I think, both think that this is, in a lot of ways, a national emergency. So kind of a tricky place to be. I guess it really depends on um, what they do with that elevated power. Our next story, senators question school surveillance startups on data and civil rights. Senators are basically asking uh, school surveillance companies to clarify a lot of things. And this primarily seems to be over concerns about discrimination and exacerbating the so-called school to prison pipeline, as well as concerns that students are being tracked outside of schools. So all very legitimate concerns, I think. The senators recommended in the report that the government craft guidelines on what schools should consider when implementing surveillance tools as part of the Children's Internet Protection Act. That's kind of the whole story, personal opinion. How about we just don't surveil kids? These are all valid concerns, discrimination, school to prison pipeline. I don't understand why that thought never crossed anyone's mind. Like, how about we just don't spy on kids? As you're doing this, I'm actually reading, uh, EFF posted an article. They're trying to pass two California bills right now to help protect student rights right now. So one of them is about biometric privacy in the classroom, and the other one is about student privacy with test taking. Our next story is just a, a really quick update, actually. It says post office cops used social media surveillance program illegally. We covered this a while back. I believe the article said the story was from April of 2021. USPIS, the US Postal Inspection Service, for reasons I cannot comprehend, was scanning social media. And this was all automated, of course. They were looking for specific keywords. Of course, that did not go over well once it was disclosed. And an inspector general has investigated and concluded their investigation and found that, yes, USPIS was not authorized to do this kind of surveillance. That's really good news. The investigation has concluded, has found that this program was not okay and needs to stop. And our final political story of the week, Europe has voted to crack down on anonymous crypto transfers. 
So the new proposed rules require crypto service providers to retain identity records about the sender and recipient of crypto transfers and make the records available to competent authorities. In the name of anti-money laundering and counterterrorism, obviously, is what they're claiming. On privacy protections, they have noted that no information will be included in the transfer itself or transmitted to the counterparty if there is a risk that such counterparty is not able to protect the confidentiality of the data. We clarify the period and conditions of data retention. There's a lot to unpack there. I know that if you're in the crypto game, this is obviously not good news whatsoever. Now, where things get interesting is supposedly, and this is what the article states, this also applies to and from unhosted wallets that will also be subject to traceability rules and reporting and identity information will need to be verified. I don't know if that means, like if someone just downloads a random Bitcoin wallet and someday somehow acquire Bitcoin via some other method, is that Bitcoin wallet now needing to verify users' information somehow? Because that's just not really possible with the way lots of cryptocurrencies are set up because it's like asking people that use KeyPass for their password manager to hand over their identification. It's kind of an open standard, open protocol, so I don't know how they're gonna do that. Just as you'd expect, the Coinbase chief legal officer said that law enforcement can already track and trace digital asset transfers with advanced analytics tools and said that none of this requires upsetting the settled privacy expectations of wallet holders. It seems like the wallet holders is kind of the big point of discussion in this entire debate, which I also agree with because you have a wallet holder. How are they going to try to verify the identities of every wallet holder out there? And honestly, I would just say this is another good reminder to just use Monero for everything if you can, because you don't know what your demixed Bitcoin is going to look like in a year from now or what tools you're going to use are going to be outdated by then. I just wouldn't trust it. Like really go for Monero if you're really chasing absolute privacy and you can avoid all of this at all costs. I don't know. This story is really weird. So we're going to keep our eyes on it and see if there's any updates in the coming weeks, because I'm also a little bit confused on what this actually means for all of us going forward. With that, we will move into FOSS, free and open source news. We only have one story this week, not including our highlight story about Threema, and that is that Ubuntu has become a rolling release with Rolling Rhino. When I posted this story this week, one of my Mastodon readers informed me that this is technically an unofficial release. So um, if you're on Ubuntu's official channel, this may not hit you, but if you are interested in using a rolling release, then this could be an option for you. This article really kind of mainly just focused on the history of rolling releases. It didn't talk about rolling Rhino itself too much. Rolling releases are basically, you're guaranteed to release at regular intervals, which I think is usually two weeks. So that way you're guaranteed to constantly get like the latest and greatest features, the latest and greatest security. It, technically might upset your stability a little bit so this is not necessarily for everybody but yeah most people like it it's usually not a huge deal in my experience fedora is an example of a rolling release i think they mentioned arch linux is an example so yeah anyways long story short if you want to use ubuntu but you would prefer a rolling release schedule then go ahead and check this out for the record in my opinion i i don't see what is offered from a rolling release ubuntu distro that you don't get from fedora or arch personally but um, I don't want to get too far into the distro fights. <laughs> okay, and with that, we will roll into Misfits. So our first Misfits story made the rounds. It's really interesting. This comes from Brian Krebs, and it says, hackers gaining power of subpoena via fake emergency data requests. 
I'm going to go ahead and quote his, uh, I believe this is the first paragraph. There is a terrifying and highly effective method that criminal hackers are now using to harvest sensitive customer data from the internet service providers, phone companies, and social media firms. It involves compromising email accounts and websites tied to police departments and government agencies, and then sending unauthorized demands for subscriber data while claiming the information being requested can't wait for a court order because it relates to an urgent matter of life and death. This is a legitimate thing. For those who don't know, there is, I forget what it's called, but police are allowed to bypass the normal due process, which is like, for example, search warrants. So a really common example is if the cop pulls you over and the cop smells weed, they no longer need a warrant to search your car, assuming you're in a state that's not weed friendly. They no longer need a warrant to search your car because they have a reasonable suspicion that there is something illegal in your car. This is kind of the same thing, but in the other direction, in the sense that like, if cops believe that someone's life is at risk or someone's safety is at risk, then they can circumvent getting a warrant and request data. Criminals are basically taking advantage of this because if they can compromise a server or an email account, then that's what they can do is they can email a company and say, hey, we need this data. We think people's lives are at risk. And the companies don't really have a way to quickly verify that. So now they've got two choices. They can either say no and risk that someone gets hurt, or they can go ahead and leak your data. And unfortunately, we have an entire data breaches section at the top of the show that shows no one cares if they just leak your data. More often than not, I would imagine they just fold and go ahead and leak the data. So the article towards the middle starts talking about lapses for a really long time. But if you scroll past, I mean, go ahead and read that because it's good stuff. But if you scroll past that to the end, they kind of point out that there's really no easy way to fix this. Like there's no secure way where the criminals can compromise the system, but there's still a way for the companies to know that it's not the police. I think they said there's like 18,000 police departments in the US alone. So. It's, it's a really complicated thing to keep up with, and this is actually kind of a really genius workaround for the criminals. Just go ahead and read the, the blog post. It's really, I don't know, it's really interesting and, like I said, complicated and fascinating. I think this is also like a perfect metaphor for why backdoors and encryption aren't a good idea, because they are now a perfect avenue for criminals to also utilize to gather dissimilar information. So I think that's always something to keep yeah. in mind, is when you grant powers to people like law enforcement, like that's now a new avenue that can be abused for other people to get that similar information. Oh my God. I can't believe I didn't even make that connection. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Like that's a perfect textbook example of how bad that is. Like now if the police get compromised, the criminals can legitimately get all that data. Yeah. Wow. I didn't even draw that connection. Thank you. I'd sometimes do good things. <laughs> <laughs> Once in a while. <laughs> All right, up next, the Mars Stealer malware has been pushed via open office ads on Google. So basically, they were buying ads from a domain that they controlled where users could download open office, but it was tagged with malware. So it looked like the real open office. It's kind of a phishing attack. So the lesson here is go to official trusted sources. Don't download something from an ad. So hopefully this didn't affect too many people. But yes, if you see a software, even if you see it on someone else's blog, like this is a pretty common thing, you know, like let's say you're reading top 10 music production softwares and you're on this blog post. If they have a link to the website, don't click it. Go to a trusted search engine and use that instead. That's probably going to be a little bit safer than just clicking a random link somewhere. And especially with ads and other things like that. So just be careful with what you're clicking on and where you're downloading things from. Search engines aren't foolproof either. They're just probably safer than clicking a link on like a blog post is the point there. Our last story, this is gonna be a twofer. The first headline says, Waze cam flaw lets hackers remotely access your saved videos. And the second headline says, CISA warns of attacks targeting internet 
connected UPS devices. I lumped both of these together because again, this is a reminder for things we talk about. Number one, do you really need it? A UPS is basically just a battery. If your power goes out, the UPS can keep power running for, you know, an hour or so until the power comes back on. So does that really need to be internet connected? Do you really need a camera? Maybe you do. Does it need to be online? Like I said, does it UPS really need to be connected? And if you go through this checklist of, do I really need it? Does it need to be online? All this kind of stuff. And the answer is yes. Then remember, isolate it on its own VLAN, change the default settings because 90% of the time, that's how this stuff gets hacked. This is just kind of our reminder. Ask yourself if you really need those smart devices. And if you really do, make sure you're taking proper steps to secure them. Cause as the saying goes, the S in IOT stands for security. All right, and that was all of the news for this report. So again, Threema is now much better on the Google devices. We have that fake subpoena story, USPIS spying update. Google has been making anti-private moves and also some critical Apple updates. Again, promo spot, we are accepting Monero donations strictly for only the surveillance support channel. So go check out our Monero address down in the description and support us. And even if that stupid European thing passes, you don't have to care about it because you used Monero. And also we are opening up a surveillance support Patreon page. So go ahead and check out the Patreon down in the description and seriously go join it because you're going to gain access to that private RSS feed and private videos without these segments. So you don't have to skip anything while you're out driving your car or anything like that. So it's also safer. Like, would you pass up your life while you're driving for $10 a month? Cause I know I wouldn't. Also we post our show notes. We have like a big giant document that we keep track of all these things. So we're going to post that for people who maybe don't have time. And also we're going to do a weekly Q and A. So at the end of every report, we're going to go ahead and answer a question from one of our patrons. So if you want to be one of the people who gets to ask questions, join the Patreon, only $10 a month. So many of you spend money on other things like coffee that are just unneeded. Um, so go ahead and join spread us some of that wealth instead. <laughs> I disagree, coffee is very needed. Man, you just need and some tea <laughs> or like good sleep and water. That's, that's it. I, you know, I'll agree with that one, but yeah, you know, here I am with my Friday night beer. For real, just to, um, I, I feel like this might be confusing to some people. So just to drive the point home, show notes are like highlighted, abbreviated versions. It's This is not going to be like a transcript of the episode, just to clarify in case anyone gets confused. It's going to be like maybe some quotes from the article, some like spark notes and thoughts. So I just want to make sure nobody gets confused by that. Yeah, we normally put like a few bullet points on each story. And that's what we use to pretty much uh, go over each story when we're doing the recording. Um, so we don't think it totally replaces either the reports or the articles, but if you're someone who just wants a quick overview of everything, it's, it's a really solid resource. And just to finish things out, we want to thank you for listening to the surveillance support. We're happy to know you're trying to stay safe out there. And the final thing we always ask you to do is to share the podcast around. Make sure you're subscribed on whatever platform you're listening in from. And definitely give us a rating if you're listening from a platform where you can do that because it does help us reach people. We want privacy to reach as many people as possible and you can directly help us do that. So if you're not going to help us out on Patreon or anything like that, at least share us around and share one of your favorite stories with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.